Hello, everyone, and welcome back as we study Daf Zion and Mesechas Yavamas as part of our Halacha Lamaisa Shiurim for Daf HaShavua. As I pointed out last week, that the sugya of Asei Dochelos Asei that is found right here started with it on Daf Dalit, and we continue with it today. Within this sugya, we get many smaller sugyos and opportunities to look at issues that aren't inherently connected to Yuvamos, at least the halachas of Yuvamos and Chalitza. I noticed this week that Abezdin, of all places in Iran, was involved this week in a Chalitza. I didn't read the details. I'm not sure how much of it was accurate. But going back to what we established, that the concept of Yuvamos and Chalitza is not a relic from the past, but has relevance even today. Let's jump into a sugya. I'm going to call this the Losavaru Eish Sugya. A very fascinating discussion when it comes to Hilcha Shabbos. If we go back to Davav, we already established that while we have this general principle of Asei Dochelos Asei, there are going to be a number of exceptions to the rule. We have an Asei Dochelos Asei, but not an Asei Dochelos Asei that has Karis, or an Asei and a Los Asei. And Shabbos in general, as the Gemara pointed out, and maybe we'll have a chance to discuss this at the end of this year, whether it's a Chi of Karis, whether it's a situation of Skila, even a situation of Malchus, that the value of Shabbos itself stands on its own, because there are issues of emuna that are at play. And as we established in the past, although all of the Tariq mitzvos are obviously fundamental, not all mitzvos are always viewed at in the same way. And it was Rashi on Davav that already pointed out to a Mechal Shabbos being compared to someone who is Oved Avodah or actually considered as if being an Oved Avodah because of the theology that is associated with Chil Shabbos. And if we have a chance at the end, we'll come back to this to see, does this apply, Bizman Hazeh? But the Gemara was focusing on last Amud, and we continue with the discussion today, on Lo Sivaru Eish Bechol Moshvosechem B'Yom HaShabbos. This comes in within the sugya of Asei Dochelos Asei, but it gives us an opportunity to look at what looks like on its surface an independent aspect of Shabbos. Now we know from the Gemara Masecha Shabbos, Klal Gadol, that most of the malachas, almost every one of the malachas that we have are taught through Torah Shabbal Peh, Halach Lomosh Misinai, Torah Shabbal Peh, even though they are Daraisa. But suddenly we have in Parshas Vayakel, Parak Lamed Hei, Pasagimel, one malacha that is spelled out. It sounds like the malacha of Havara. Now you have to look into Masecha Shabbos and Parakira as well as in Parak Lagadol to see the nature and the elements that are associated with this Isser. But the question that is obvious is why is there one malacha in particular that is spelled out? We don't have the rest of the Lama Test malachas. The rest of the malachas are not spelled out explicitly. So there's a machlokas in the Gemara Masecha Shabbos, and you'll see why I'm getting into this today, Halacha Masa. 
So the Gemara in Masech HaShav is in Daf Ayin Amad Aleph, and this is alluded to here as well on Daf Vav Amad as well as on Daf Zayin Amad Aleph, is, says, Chayev HaKom Malacha Malacha. There's a concept of Chiluk Malachas. What's happening here is by identifying one Malacha, the assumption being made, at least by one school of thought, is that this is the prototype, or this is symbolic of all the other malachos, and that if a person on Shabbos, let's say Friday night, lights a candle, and it doesn't have to be uh, Havara, this is just being used as an example, or does Katsira, it doesn't mean the rest of the Shabbos you could keep doing malachos. And if you do, then for each malacha, kol malacha, malacha, you're going to have to pay the price for it. That is what we call chiluk malachos. I like to look at that not only from the negative, but also from the positive, that just because a person blew it Friday night, it was Machal Shabbos, it doesn't mean they can't still keep Shabbos day. And if this is true night to day, then it's even true hour to hour. Now, there was a different opinion in the Gemara Masech Shabbos, mentioned here as well, is that lo sevaro esh may be different as far as the punishment, that it's going to be a different punishment, there's not going to be the chi of karis that is associated with the rest of the malachas. And that tied into our discussion of ase doche losase. But either way, that's the most important thing, at least halacha lamaisa, is to learn the first point of lo sevaro esh bechomosh now, in Hasidic works, they understand this homiletically as far as why Lo Sivaru Esh is the only malacha that's spelled out. And what they want to teach, and, and there are many different sources for this in Hasidic literature, I've mentioned this in the past, is you don't want there to be anger. Esh is a term that's used for kas, that you don't want Bechom Mosh which is the rest of the Pasuk, especially on Shabbos, you don't want there to be dwelling. You don't want in your dwellings that there should be not only physical fires, but you shouldn't have what would be considered to be a negative fire of anger. But I want to go a little bit further, just halacha masa, to see how this Lo Savaro Esh has been used. There's a very fascinating insight which really finds its way into halacha from the Baal HaMa'ar. This is a Balamar, Masecha Shabbos, Daf, Tezayin, Amabez, and I'm using the opportunity in Masecha Sivamas to talk about it. The Balamar, which you could find in the back as a commentary on the riff, the great, great Rishon, Rabbi Zerachia Halevi, from the 12th century. He was in Provence and uh, in different communities, and he wrote the classic work called Sefer Hamar on the riff and other works as well. And you find almost an identical comment on the Ran in the same place on Daf Mesech Shavas Daf Tezai and Amid Beis. Apparently, the Karaites, who he's met in the past, they took this literally that Lo Sevaru Eshwa was adding to Hilchas Shabbos is that you could have absolutely no light in your house on Shabbos, and you can't have a pre-warmed up cooked oven burning. And therefore, their practice was to have only hot food, to, to have chas v'shalom, only cold food on Shabbos, while our approach is to have cold food and hot food. V'yeshomrim, this is the Lashon of the Baal Ma'arki, ta'kanas rabbaseinu hila anegas ha-Shabbos In reaction to this, 
distorted teaching, that's what I was saying, Chas Shalom to, the distorted teaching of not having chamin, hot food on Shabbos. Therefore, Chazal said, If you have a person who says, I'm not going to eat hot food on Shabbos, you have to make sure that this person is not a Karite, or in the language of the Balamor, he's not a Min. And he even gives Halachal Masa how you have to make sure to check it out. Our practice, he goes on to say, is to make sure that we have hot food on Shabbos in order not only to la'anegas the Shabbos, to enjoy the Shabbos, but to show the vitality, the vibrancy, the authenticity of Torah Shabbal Peh. Now, this amazing halacha of Lo Savaro Esh is found, brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, very much based on the Ramah. It's formulated in the Ramah uh, in Simon Reishon and Zion, Sifches. The sugi that's being discussed there is warming up food on Shabbos, different ways to do it, and then additional restriction of hadmana. And the Shulchan Aruch says, You have to learn how to properly protect the oven for Shabbos in order that you should eat hot food on Shabbos. You can't just leave the fire burning open. This connects to a blech and to different ways that we do kadera, agave kadera. It applies to a number of areas of halacha, but here as well. This is not just a Musr Shmuz, it's brought down la halacha. And the reason I'm pointing this out in Mesechus Yuvamos is not that it's so connected to Yuvamos, but you, sh- you need to know the sugya. This is a halacha l'maysa sugya of lo sevaro esh, because it goes way beyond the halacha, the whole hashkafa of life. This is from the Shulchan Aruch, and if you don't believe in the Divrei Chachamim that allow you to have hot food on Shabbos, you can tell well, that this is a reaction to the Karaites. That's the formulation, not of the Balamor, but it's similar. That's the Rab, the Ran in Bametomnim. I never saw the exact source for this, but I heard that this is the reason why, at the very outset of Shabbos, we said Bametomnim, because there would be the concern that Havara would not be allowed. We try to show how Havara is allowed. Now, again, you're not doing Havara on Shabbos. But there's absolutely no problem to keep an oven on Shabbos or to keep the flame burning on Shabbos. We just have to protect to make sure that we don't move the flame, that we don't use the flame, that we don't adjust it. Then you get into other malachas. The Mishnah Brura says the following qualifier on this whole simon. Let's say a person, hot food's not good for them. Then you could end up eating cold. So again, the halacha has exceptions to it. Now, there is a fascinating Mishnah Bura. I don't want to say famous, but it'll be famous after you hear this. And this is the Mishnah Bura in Simon Reish Nun Zayin Sifkatan Memtes. It's a longer than usual Mishnah Bura, and he talks about Uviyamenu, in our days, he talks about how there's a big mistake that's taking place. And you'd think he would be talking about some other areas where the Mishnah Bura identifies issues of Sneos and other issues, not, not Mikvahs being built. There are other places where the Mishnah Bura talks in this language. But what's the Kilkel that's happening here? Elu Sheparshan Atzman, he says, the pe- people 
that don't have a chalant on Shabbos. He doesn't call it a chalant, but you know, in the Sephardi world, that's what they call it, a chalant is chamin, to have chamin on Shabbos. Now, the real kilkel, he says, is not just that you're not learning Hilcha Shabbos. That's very often the way the Mishnah Burr is explained. If you learn the halacha, you don't have to be an Amaretz, right? You could keep Shabbos and you could enjoy Shabbos. But he's also saying that from this chumra of not having hot food, people end up doing things on Shabbos that are improper. He talks about how people, no one's going to go without a tea on Shabbos, so they leave the flame uncovered, and then maybe they even ask a non-Jew to cook it up for them, which is also a problem. You can't just do Amir Akum. And he says that by not appreciating and not understanding the proper halacha, and by letting this Karite approach somehow get into our culture of staying away from having hot food on Shabbos and learning how to prepare hot food, we're not only not going to have Onik Shabbos, we possibly could end up having Chil Shabbos. Fascinating approach. And some want to suggest, as I pointed out before, in Hilchas Chalant, this is where it comes from. We pointed to Rashi, who identified a person who's Mechal Shabbos as similar to an Oved Avodah this idea is not only discussed by Rashi here. It reminded me of a Rashi I learned so many years ago in the very beginning of Chulun on Daf Hay, where Rashi talks about the same idea. In Chulun, it comes in the light of a discussion regarding a shochet. And there is a question in a number of uh, Chuvos, Poskim, an old question as far as whether a person who's Mechal Shabbos and touches wine would have the status of being an Oved Avarazarab to possibly make the wine Yayanesach. And Chulun's a discussion about whether a person who's not Shomer Shabbos could be able to serve as the Shochet. All of this is assuming that there is a theological stand that is being made, so much so that there are poskim that would suggest and it seems to be the way that Rashi would go in Chul and Dafhe, but it doesn't, it's not explicitly spelled out, that such a person who repeatedly desecrates Shabbos would have the halacha of not just a mummer, but in certain ways the halacha of an akum, to the point where there are even discussions about what, whether one could marry such an individual, if it would be like marrying a non-Jew, and even such discussions about the progeny of the children. The Chazonish deals with this in Yerdea, and uh, Bez Chaf Gimel, who says that uh, obviously this is not the same as a non-Jew, and whether it's Yayin Esach or not Yayin Esach, that may be a Din and Zara, a theological question. It's Shechita, you have other issues as well, but we're not going to go to the point of referring to this person as literally a uh, non-Jew and having the status of, of a non-Jew. There are many contemporary chuvos that are on this question in general of what's the status of a non, not just a non-observant Jew, but someone who publicly, maybe even privately, but definitely publicly and consistently violates Shabbos. Many years ago in tradition, this is tradition 2011, Rabbi Bleich, Rabbi J. David Bleich was one of my teachers who actually learned Chulun with him. He has a great article that is a survey of recent halachic periodicals on this topic. 
And in this article, he identifies one of the most important sources that we have on this topic in contemporary times. And there's a lot more to say about this, but I didn't want to leave you with the impression that Rashi has the last word. Again, we're not rejecting Rashi, but the assumption that many poskim make, and I could give you a whole long lo- list of uh, poskim, most famously the Binyan Tzion, Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, who says that what Rashi is saying and what this approach in Chazal of categorizing a non-Jew, uh, uh, categorizing a person who doesn't observe Shabbos as a non-believer, setting aside the idea of categorizing them as having the same status as a non-Jew, that is not relevant today in most situations. And the Binyan Sion in Chaf Gimel, Tshuva Chaf Gimel, gives three reasons. There are variations of these reasons that are found in a number of Tshuvas. Reb Moshe Feinstein has a number of Tshuvas on this topic. Some aspects in agreement with the Binyan Sion, some arguments with some of the logic. I'll give you two of the sources if you want to look up. In Reb Moshe, Yerdea, Aleph, Kuf Samach, that's one place where he discusses it, makes similar points to the Binyan Sion. And then in Evan Ezer, Chelik Bez, Chaf, Anaf, Dalit, there he has some disagreements with the Binyan Sion. There's a Tshuva, Revadia, Yabia Omer, Yerdea Aleph, uh, Yud Aleph, also in Yud Ches. But the three basic distinctions, and you'll find these throughout contemporary literature, between the non-Shomer Shabbos Jew today or in the past is number one. Since non-observance of Shabbos has become so commonplace, then we're not going to regard this individual as rebelling against the Torah because such an individual may actually think that his actions are normative. It's a very far-reaching idea where Moshe reacts to this, but we do have this concept. Number two is the Binyan Sion points out to the fact that these individuals are not undermining their belief in God through violating Shabbos. If you remember, as we discussed this topic, that Shemir Shabbos, in addition to testifying to one's fidelity to the halacha, is also a connection to the Rebona Shalom in a very deep way. And you see some individuals who have this deep connection. They may actually say Kiddush on Shabbos. So our Gemara, and at least as explained by Rashi, is assuming that a person that is Mechal Shabbos is involved in such a terrible sin. Objectively, it is so. But relating to this individual, it's a bad sin, but it's a, it's a shogeg, maybe, as you'll see the next view, possibly even an ones. But... It's not a reflection of being a merit as far as being a rebel. And the third position, which seems to put it almost into an one situation, is that people who grow up this way, ignorant of the laws of Shabbos, are considered to be in the status of a tinok shenishpa, which would require a long shear in its own right, someone who's been captured by the heathens and can't be held accountable for their own actions. Now, there'd be a lot of nafkaminas. Let's say it's someone who grew up religious and then leaves. Are they considered to be a tinok shenishpa? 
would they fit into one or number two? And there are those that find this categorization an insult because such individuals say, out of our own Bechira Chavshis, we've chosen not to be religious. You're going to tell me I'm a Tinek Shanishba? There's a lot of literature in this in Eretz Yisrael. But I wanted to just give you some insights into it, not to, God forbid, take away from focusing on the centrality of Shabbos. Again, whether a violation of Shabbos would be an Israkaris. That's how we got into this discussion when I say Dochelos, I say. Why Losavaro Eish, it may not be an Israkaris, right? And that's why we have a special learning out, and it's not applied the way the other Malachos are. And even if it wouldn't be such a severe sin, but the fact that it represents the theology of the Jewish people, the belief in Hashem, that in itself gives it such strong weight, it's possible that a person today who is Michal Shabbos is not given that category. And going back to what we said at the outset of the shir, is that you do see people that have chilak malachos, even in their observance. They observe some parts, they don't observe other parts, but we don't want to throw them out while at the same time not condoning their behavior. Have a great week of learning. I thought you'd find this discussion very stimulating.